You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Happy Halloween, podcast listeners. In the spirit of the holiday, we're bringing you one of our favorite episodes of the podcast, a ghost story recorded on the Ghosts Amongst Us evening tour. Please enjoy the show, and if you'd like to learn more about the Ghosts Amongst Us tour in the historic area, call 1-800-HISTORY for tickets and reservations. After nightfalls in Colonial Williamsburg's historic area, modern visitors are joined by the ghosts of the past. This week, we're bringing you a sample of one of our evening tours called Ghosts Amongst Us. Just a note before we begin, the story you're about to hear may not be appropriate for young listeners. Let's begin. And I shall begin with a question. The question is, do you believe in ghosts? But you have come to the restored capital of the colony of Virginia, Williamsburg, a very old city, a city where for nearly 300 years people have lived and died. Now as evening falls and the activities of the day cease, night comes quickly. And who knows what lurks behind a tree or around a corner or in some dark space. Tonight, Tonight, you will decide if there are truly ghosts amongst us. Let us continue now in our journey. You see this building over here, this house? The James Getty House, which we'll be going into just in a moment. But let me tell you something first of who you might meet and what you shall hear. Images of demonic possession often bring to mind the unfortunate incidents that occurred in Salem, Massachusetts at the end of the 17th century. Now, though less known, similar tragic events occurred in Virginia as well. For example, in 1706, there was a trial of Grace Sherwood for witchcraft. But in 1770, another unusual case came before the general court, a case of murder so disturbing that it deeply affected all who heard it. Are you ready to enter? Then let's enter. I heard voices. I'm so pleased to see you all here this evening. I hope you have a few moments to spend with me. Never so grateful for companionship now as when the shadows lengthen and the stillness of evening comes. Truth to tell, I'm more fearful of darkness now than I have ever been. Darkness and... But I promise not to keep you long. There's to be a prayer service this evening in the home of a godly man here in Williamsburg, and my friends are gathering there now. They've sent a coachman for me. It shouldn't be very long before he arrives, but for as long as it takes, if you can keep me company, I should be much appreciative. Do you believe in the world unseen? I'm not talking about ghosts. Not ghosts. 
Ghosts are harmless creatures for the most part. They're lost and confused most often, I say. Timid-like is not, and not unlike ourselves. Oh, goodness, ghosts were once human, weren't they? But I'm not talking about ghosts. Not ghosts. I, I speak of things. Things that may never have been human. Agents of a greater evil than you or I could ever imagine. Things that wait to do us harm. Steal our very souls. I have a very great need to tell you something this evening while we're waiting. You have a very great need to hear it. You can but bear it. But may I tell it to you? Well, there's a fearsome old man who walks the streets of Williamsburg here in the evening just as the sun is setting. Perhaps you've seen him. He wanders about aimlessly, very like a ghost himself, sometimes in and among the trees of the commons here, sometimes along the graveyard wall of Bruton Church. Well, that man's name is Moses Riggs. And although the people here in Williamsburg say that he's insane, I say, we little know what insight. What window into the next world is gifted those people that you and I call mad? Close to seven years ago now, just north of here in Accomack County, Moses Riggs did a hideous thing. Early one morning, he murdered a poor young Negro boy coldly and without conscience or heart. The young boy's name was Stepney. He was a slave property of a Mr. Benjamin West, the younger of that same county. And it was a ghastly act. Just ghastly. Early that morning with the heavy stock of an old gun, Moses Riggs dashed the brains out of that poor young Negro boy, and then with the muzzle of the gun, why he punctured that poor boy's body, so as to as he claimed. Let the green poisons drain out. Moses was found later that day with blood and brains all over him and on the muzzle of the gun, of course. And when the authorities arrested him and questioned him as to how he could commit such a foulness, he would only make answer calmly and with a leveled gaze. I killed the devil. That's all there is to be done about it. Moses claimed, you see, that early that morning, just as the moon and stars were winking out, that he'd seen a small demon enter into the boy's body, and that the same would have enacted great malicious mischief all about the county if he, Moses Riggs, had not done just as he did. And then he said that when the boy was dead, and the body still, he saw, again in his own words, the wretched little Satan free itself from the boy's body and go flying off into the winds, howling and shrieking as it flew. Well, I tell you, I read the whole of the indictment against Moses Riggs. What I've just told you is true. And I had the sad occasion thereafter of seeing that poor boy's body. It was a horrifying claim to make. 
and Moses was eventually brought down here to Williamsburg and, and after court proceedings held here in the public jail. And they kept him there nearly six years while they tried to decide whether he was a murderer or a madman. And in the end, let him go. I've never been sure of the reasons. Well, perhaps because they believed that the years had at last burned the madness out of him, or perhaps because they assumed that all but Negroes were safe from his hand. But I can tell you this. Moses Riggs is a strange man. Well, he's always talking about ghosts and apparitions, dark beings and the world unseen. And he has strange and peculiar beliefs, too. Strangest of which, the one people find hardest to believe is that demons and all manner of foul and unearthly creatures lurk in corners. Any corners they can find, but most especially dark, sharp, angled corners. From such places, they are always watching us, always waiting, always listening. Very mean act and unkind word by which they may enter in and do us grievous harm. Moses is always nervously peering off into corners and, and giving such places wide berths, and except for churches, he never takes shelter indoors, despite the most severe of weathers, and despite the most charitable of invitations, he never lingers long in either public or private dwellings. His home, if you can call it such, it's a large, hollowed-out old oak tree, as large, as round as a gristing stone. It's the only place he'll rest, you see, for it's the only place that's free of corners and sharp angles. I came to know Moses very well those years that I was dimly. Oh, forgive me. My name is Mrs. Thorne. I'm a relative of Mr. Pelham, our jailer here in town, and his wife. It was myself who most often bought Moses his food those six years he was housed at the public jail, most especially once he had been brought indoors to the inner cells, where they housed the insane. Oh, but he was no trouble, truly. He was no trouble. Most of the time. Well, except for the talking. Oh, the incessant talking. He was always talking for hours at a time to no one in particular in his cell, sometimes in his own voice and sometimes, as I thought then, in a voice feigned or pretended. Oh, weeks and then months and then whole years flew by like that for poor Moses with little change, and I were there for much of them. Until one evening. It was an evening very much like this one. I had come, as was my custom, with his evening meal. As I approached the cell this time, this time I heard two voices, two distinct voices speaking at once and in an agitated manner. Well, they were having an argument in there, and I thought at first that a visitor had come. It was just as quick to realize that no visitor had come. No visitor would have been allowed in so late in the evening had they come. And I heard the other voice. Not Moses, punctuate its words with a low and venomous hissing sound. Will it chill me to the marrow to hear it? I was curious. 
So I lowered myself down slowly to peer into the cell through the food slot in the door. I could see little at first, but little due to the lateness of the hour and the dimness of the cell. Little except for the outline of Moses himself, of course, his rolled up sleeping pallet, the remnants of his last meal. Then my eyes grew more accustomed to the dimness than I could see more plainly. But people, if you can believe what I'm going to tell you now, all may yet be well with you. You will be forewarned then and made safe. The devil has no greater power over you than when you believe he doesn't exist. There, in the left-hand corner of that cell, across from where Moses sat, a dark, sharp, angled corner. And it was no play of shadows. I can assure you it was no play of shadows. There in that corner I saw the most horrific and malevolent form. It was not human, yet somehow it was human-like. Torturously shaped, it was grotesquely deformed. It was small and black. And yet I could sense such a great and oppressive depravity there coming from that corner in such a wicked intent when I screamed. And at my outcry, the shape of the creature disappeared. But the shape only, only the shape. Not its eyes. Its eyes remained in that corner, hovering there, disjointed from its body, yellow jaundiced, filled with hate. God have pity upon me, those eyes. Well, they leveled upon me and held me fast. They searched my soul through and through. It recognized me, don't you see? That foul creature recognized me and made claim to my very soul. I little know what happened next. They, they tell me that I was in a long delirium for weeks and that there was talk of committing me to the public hospital here in Williamsburg. There's a lunatic. I have no recollection of it. I have no memory of it at all. But they tell me that good people, are like yourselves, they came and prayed over me. Day and night they prayed over me, and in the end I was saved from the darkness. I was spared those shadows that had long ago claimed poor Moses' rigs. And now it is only in prayer that I feel safe. Once, Thereafter, I had the occasion of coming upon Moses in his wanderings. I cannot tell you, I have no words to tell you the horror, the fear that rose up in me when I saw him. But our eyes met. And we communicated each to the other a sad and terrifying knowledge of our world that I wish we did not have. I wish I did not have it now. Mark my words. Listen to what I tell you this evening. Beware dark corners where sharp angles meet. Be wary of what you do and say around such places. They are always waiting for us there. They are always waiting, always watching, always listening. Every mean act and unkind word by which they may enter in and do as grievous harm of body and of soul that we can little imagine it. You can little imagine it. Oh, forgive me. I did not mean to carry on so, and you've been more than patient to listen. And it's getting late. I would be on my way. Well, as well as I can imagine you wish to be on yours. It's obvious to me that you are strangers in our city. I have no doubt you must needs find accommodations for the evening. 
the coachman's come. And I join my friends now in prayer. And you good people, you may be on your way. Please know that I am greatly in your debt this evening. I shall remember you in prayer with my friends. So pray that God rewards you for your kindness to me and blesses you for your mercy. That in God's own mercy, he will keep you all. Every one of you safe. But remember my words. Remember what I've told you this evening. Beware dark corners and where sharp angles meet. They are always waiting for us there. You're always waiting. He's watching, always listening. Every mean act and unkind word. Torment us more than you know. Thank you, every one of you, for your company this evening. Thank you and good night. Come follow me, please. This way. Moses Riggs was tried for the murder of the slave boy Stephanie. His own words were taken directly from the court record. And Riggs was confined to the public jail for six years and released. Did Moses Riggs commit murder? or provide salvation for that poor boy? And what about the creature he released? Yeah. Perhaps after tonight, you will find yourselves searching dark corners where sharp angles meet more carefully. Unless you are afraid of what you might find lurking there. To support the podcast and Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate. We love hearing from you. Visit history.org slash podcasts and click comment at the top of the page to drop us a line.